This presentation has been previously broadcast. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hi there, and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Wednesday, Wednesday of the 13th week in Ordinary Time. I'm Josh Raymond, and happy to have you along here as we're headed toward the 4th of July, Independence Day, coming up this weekend. Now, today, if there's one thing that your mom or dad passed on to you, if there's one thing that they taught you, what would you say that that is? Is it that maybe you learned a favorite hobby or a pastime by doing that with them? Did your mother or your father teach you how to make a family recipe, something that they learned from their mom or their dad? Did you grow up cheering on a favorite sports team because one or both of your parents were diehard fans of that team? Now, I have memories of my childhood going back quite early, from the time I was about two years old. My wife, Belen, she's very jealous because she doesn't really remember much from before the time that she was about five years old. But I have those early memories, and when I was about two and a half years old, one of those memories I have is sitting on my dad's lap in our living room, in our house in Livermore, California, and watching his finger as it would scan across the page of his Bible as he was reading out loud with me there with him. Our living room in that house looked like a very typical home in the late 70s. Lots of oranges and browns, avocado greens, and harvest golds for the furniture and the decor. We had a hanging macrame table that my mom had made in one corner of the room. We had handmade afghans from my grandmother of those same kind of 70s colors. They were lying across the back of the couch or folded on the back of one of the chairs. And I was sitting there with my dad on his lap, and we were in this bright orange upholstered swivel rocking chair. We weren't swiveling. We weren't rocking in it. We were just simply sitting there and reading. My dad was reading out of his Bible, like I say. And I don't even know what section of the Bible he was reading. But I was following his finger as he was reading each word that his finger would point to, hearing him say those words out loud. And of course, at that age, I didn't really know those words. But at some point, he started to show me the small words on the page while he was reading. And. The. It. A. Small words like those, one, two, three letters. And he would show me how they looked the same every time we came to one of them. Eventually, as he was reading, he'd come to one of those small words, one of those easy words again, and he would pause, letting his fingers stay under the word on the page, and then giving me the chance to say the word out loud. And pretty quickly, I was the one that was reading each of those small words as we continued down the page of my dad's Bible. So was I reading? Well, yes and no. Uh, I mean, part of reading is memorizing words. If you've ever studied a foreign language, you know that there's a big part of the learning process that's simply memorizing the vocabulary. But I didn't understand all of the sounds that the letters made at that young age, the phonetic rules of the English letters, the combinations that letters can make. But very soon after this, my mom and my dad, they started to teach me the different sounds of the letters how certain letters together made those special sounds, the TH or the SH, 
two O's together, making the ooh sound, the silent K before an N. And because my father had shown me all of those small words and allowed me to read along with him, I had that confidence, even at two and a half years old, to keep learning more words and learn how to sound out new words. Now, my favorite book that I read over and over at that young age, you know, end of my second year, beginning of being three years old, it was this children's picture book called A Visit to the Hospital. And it was, oh, the boy was dressed like he probably was from the the late 50s or early 60s. But it was about this little boy, Stevie, who was going to have his tonsils removed. And you followed Stevie through the details of his parents explaining and planning everything. And then Stevie going to the hospital. And this story about a tonsillectomy, why would a three-year-old child love a story about a tonsillectomy? Well, it's because at the end of the book, Stevie was allowed to eat all the ice cream he wanted after the surgery. All the ice cream I could eat at three years old? Absolutely, sign me up. Uh, You can take my tonsils right now. But I kept reading that book. I read other books more and more. My parents, they got me subscriptions to kids' magazines like Highlights. Uh, I would read through those classic Dr. Seuss books. And that's continued through my life. I usually now read uh, somewhere between 30 to 40 books a year. It might be fiction. It might be biographies, different classic novels, uh, you know, a, a wide variety of things. Of course, spiritual reading. And this love of reading was passed on to me at that early age of two and a half, sitting there in my father's lap in our home in California. So what did your mom or your dad pass along to you? I also mentioned that my father taught me to read those first few words from his Bible. That's another thing that he and my mom passed on to me, a love for Christ and a love for the Scriptures. And that's what we want to spend the hour today here on The Inner Life talking about, talking about how we can pass along the faith to our kids. And helping us to do that today, looking at how we can impress upon our kids the importance of our faith One of our regular voices, our spiritual director, is Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. He's the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco, and he regularly gives retreats to Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity around the world. And Father Ilo, so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life today. Is there one thing that your mom or your dad passed on to you that just stands out in your mind? Thank you, Josh. It's great to be back. Well, my mother taught us the rosary there were six kids and three of us were in one room and so it was the younger kids we all had one room and so it was fairly easy for mom to teach all of us in one fell swoop so the younger kids all got a big rosary and we learned how to pray it and even though i didn't continue to pray the rosary as i became a teenager that never left me, as you mentioned with your family. It's that seed that was planted and then blossomed later. When I went to a retreat when I was 17 years old, mom said, you got to go on this retreat after high school. So I did. There was there's a backstory to that too, but she got me to go. And from then I've been praying the rosary every day. But it's just that early formation when we're seven or eight, nine years old, that really makes all the difference. Well, and one of the things that it ended up reminding me of, I think it's in Proverbs 22, and I'm just trying to pull it up here. Yeah, uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, 
where, um, and this is the New American Bible, it says, train the young in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not swerve from it. And that's one of those wise mm-hmm. sayings there from Solomon. Um, you know, and as we get into this topic here, there might be a lot of parents out there who say, well, I did, I did try and teach my kids when they were young. They really seem to have swerved from it. You know, they, they've, they really haven't carried that on. And you even talked in your own life, Father, how you necessarily didn't uh, always pray the rosary in those middle years. It wasn't until you were 17, you kind of got re-encouraged. But for a lot of people, there can be a longer gap. Uh, any words of mm-hmm. encouragement for a parent who is saying, yeah, I, I, I thought I was trying to raise them right and trying to teach them the faith, but they don't seem to be coming back? It's a tragedy. It's a heartbreak to hear this from so many parents. They have four or five kids, went to Catholic school, taught them the faith. One or none of them practice the faith now. They don't even have their kids baptized. So it's it's a heartbreak that all of us have experienced. And what can we do about it? Well, the first thing is to pray that God somehow manifest himself, break through their hearts that have latched onto something else because we all need love. We all need something to fill the hole in our hearts. So something has replaced God in the children's hearts and we we pray that God will break through that. And that's a great act of trust. And I, I just have to encourage the parents, don't panic. Keep your peace. These children are God's children. You have been lent these children, but they belong to God and he will take care of his children. Mm-hmm. And I, that seems to – go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I like that concept of, you know, we've been lent the children. You know, we we are the caretakers of them, but ultimately they're gods. And that also mm-hmm. means that when we have those conversations, we can only do so much. We really have to be relying on the Holy Spirit. You mentioned the word trust. We have to trust the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. He's the one who's going to do the work. That's right. It's the idea of stewardship that has become more popular, more effective in the Catholic Church over the last, say, 20 years. We are not owners, but stewards of the gifts we have been given by God. Everything is a gift, including our own children, including our own bodies and our own lives. But even our children are not ours. We are the stewards. As St. Joseph was the earthly father of Jesus. He was the steward or the foster father sometimes called. We are also only the earthly parents because God the Father is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the parents of every living being. And that gives us a bit of peace that we can't control everything, nor are we responsible ultimately for everything. We do what we can, we do the best we can, and we leave the rest to God. So when your children have left the faith, it's always going to be a heartbreak. It's going to be awkward at family gatherings. There will be a lot of um, disharmony, unharmony. But ultimately, we have to give them back to God. We have been given them by God, and we have to return them to God. And God wants nothing more for them 
other than to return to him. So <laughs> we're all that's on the right. same page he, there. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, looking at if we're starting out with our kids and we've got some young parents that are listening, uh, maybe expecting their first, maybe they've got, you know, maybe two or three young children there in the home. The first thing that we can do as Catholics for our children is, uh, is we baptize our children into our faith when they're infants. Let's talk about that importance of the sacrament of initiation. Well, baptism is the gateway to the spiritual life and to all the sacraments. So the first step in getting our kids to heaven is to baptize them. And baptize them as early as we can. It's not good to wait a few months if if you don't have to. Uh, Joseph Ratzinger, later Pope Benedict XVI, was baptized the very day he was born. He was born, I think, at 2 or 3 in the morning. It was the Easter vigil of that year. And by the way, yesterday was his 70th anniversary I know, I of saw that. That's fantastic. <laughs> it was my 30th anniversary yesterday. Oh, congratulations, so I'm, I'm Father. For, thank you. I'm 40 years behind him. But uh, So it worked with him. He, I really think he's a great holy man of our time. But um, his parents made... Within within uh, four or five hours, they brought him to the church, and he was baptized at the Easter Vigil on the day he was born. So baptize the children as soon as you can, and then that's the beginning, but of course not the end. So a baptism is a gateway to a path that must be followed. Right. And following that path means teaching our children, which is what we're going to talk about for the rest of the hour, but yeah, start with baptism. Well, and I've spoken with friends in the past, and when we've talked about this topic of raising our kids in a Christian or a Catholic home, uh, and some of them, you know, they might be more what you might call nominally Christian or nominally Catholic. Oh, yeah, you know, I believe in God. Yeah, I go to church, but it might be more Easter and Christmas, that sort of thing. But I've had some responses from some of these new parents, well, they'll say that they don't want to impose any belief system on their child. They want to allow their child to be free to decide for themselves what they believe as they grow older and as they learn more. And I find this to be a weak stance because I wouldn't place my infant child in our car without a car seat, you know, saying that I want them, when they're older, to be able to look at all the research and all the data on you know, seatbelt safety, and then they can make up their own mind whether they believe that seatbelts are necessary. Or I wouldn't let them choose their own foods as their toddlers, saying that you know, when they're older, they can decide what really is the right dietary path to go. You know, instead of eating fruits and vegetables, they'd probably be having chocolate cake and Twizzlers every night for, for dinner. And so us as parents having more knowledge, having more experience to protect and guide our children, if I do that for their physical well-being, what they're eating, you know, uh, how, we, how we protect them, why wouldn't I do the same thing for their spiritual well-being? And that's something that I think is very important for us. Uh, I don't know where that concept has come from other than it's permeated our society in a fairly significant way because I've not heard it just from one person. I've heard it from multiple people, Father. Right. It's what Pope Benedict called the dictatorship of relativism, right. I think. It's a it's a function of that, that there's a dictatorship that dictates so much of our lives that 
Um, for example, as you mentioned, food. Here in San Francisco, you can't have sugary foods. It's been outlawed. Uh, certain sugary drinks, uh, which is good. We, we eat too much sugar, and but if the government or other authorities will dictate to us, or, or even just suggest that we not eat bad foods or drive in a certain way, or even think in a certain way regarding immigration or um, life issues, then why wouldn't we also attend to the needs of the soul, as you say? The only reason that we wouldn't give our children formation in the things of the spirit and the soul is if we don't believe in the spirit and the soul. <laughs> so unconsciously, when we say, well, I, I'm going to leave it up to my children what to believe, well, then we're unconsciously saying we don't have any real beliefs. And that's not a conscious thing. I think we have to work through this, and that's why you're bringing it up, to make it explicit to people who may unconsciously take that position, that what are we saying about our beliefs if we let our children choose any of the, uh, you know, the, the menu of false beliefs that are out there that if we if we believe that there is truth and that there is a God and that he has revealed himself through the Catholic Church then we want to give that to our children now ultimately they're going to make up their own mind right but when they're young uh, we have to guide them and, and provide them with the resources they need to make the right decision to reach the truth our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, he's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and we're talking about passing on the faith to our children. If you're raising younger children right now, what are you doing to help them love their Catholic faith? If your kids are grown and out of the house, what are some of the things that you found to be the best ways to share your love of Christ with your kids? And maybe how did your parents share their faith with you when you were growing up and helped instill that love for Christ, for the church, in you? We'd love to hear how that's happened in your family life. Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And our email address is relevantradio.com. More coming up here on Passing on the Faith to Our Children on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. Today we're talking about passing on the faith to our children. 
If you're raising kids, what are you doing to help pass on the faith to them, helping your kids to love their Catholic faith? If your kids are grown, if they're out of the house, what did you do as they were growing up that helped them to know more about their faith and to carry it on into their adulthood? And maybe it was your parents. How did they share the faith with you that made you come to love the church, love Christ, and carry that on in your life? day in, day out. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, I'm sorry, 888-914-9149. I'm going to give you too many eights there in just a second. Uh, Father Ilo, as we continue talking here, um, one of the things that we were talking about before we went on the air here this morning was about that at your parish, you just had one of the moms there give a talk about her children, and raising them in the faith. Uh, Could you share a little about what you told me there? Sure. We had uh, anniversary parties on Saturday, last Saturday. Three of our priests were celebrating 10 years, one 10 years, one 25 years, and I was 30 years. And we invited the Archdiocese and Vocation Director, Father Cameron Fowler, to speak about what the priesthood is and how we can make the priestly vocation real for young people. And he gave an excellent talk, a lot of energy, a lot of good practical things. But I'd asked his mother to follow up with him. Now, so Bonnie Fowler, his mother, and her son Joel, they have uh, four, four sons. Two of them have become priests in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and two of them are married. All of them are devout practicing Catholics, which is an unusual uh, success story. And so uh, she she just talked for five minutes, but it was quite inspiring. And she said, well, I started early by teaching them the Bible, but also to, to pray the rosary, which is the Bible mysteries of Jesus played out in a devotional setting. So every morning before school, she would knock on their doors and say rosary time and the kids would stumble out and grudgingly but they all did is because they were young enough they weren't of the rebellious stage yet so you have to start young she said well you have a chance and she said then you teach them and you hope for the best but that's a very concrete successful practice that she found led her kids and they had their ups and downs of course as they were growing up sure but in the end, it all washed out to be four practicing Catholics, two priests and two married men. Started with that early morning rosary where mom would be waking the kids up with the love of Our Lady. And she said a lot more, but just that stuck in my mind as a very simple and practical thing to do. But when the kids are still young enough, you have to do it early. Well, and so another thing that I guess I would be curious about, as you look at some of the other families in your parish, you know, because I'm sure you've seen these kids who have gone through from being baptized, receiving first sacraments, uh, you know, reconciliation, uh, communion, confirmation, and then maybe some of them have gone on to practice the faith in their own lives. Are there any common threads that you see 
in families who have had those children stay in the faith? Anything that you'd recommend to younger parents listening? There are common threads. So uh, one, of course, is the family rosary. Right. Father Patrick Payton. So you've already mentioned that a few times. The second thing is mass together, if at all possible, because the mass is the source and summit of our spiritual lives, the Eucharist. And the children learn the Mass. First of all, we have to learn the Mass. So it's it's incumbent upon the parents to become catechists, that is to teach themselves to supplement what they may or may not have received as children themselves by reading the Bible. Your Your dad taught you how to read by reading the Bible. How perfect. But how many Catholics, how many Catholic men have ever read the Bible or, or can make sense of it? So parents first have to become specialists in Catholic doctrine, in the Bible, in the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church or the Compendium, and then learn the Mass. So taking the children to Mass together and then explaining what the priest is doing, the significance of all the parts of the Mass and what the Eucharist is. The great uh, lack among Catholics today in America is belief in the Eucharist, as we are painfully aware. And it's, of course, part of the big controversy now with um, public figures who are living in ways antithetical to the faith and receiving Holy Communion. But the real problem here is, as children, apparently, we didn't get a good understanding of the Holy Eucharist, of the Holy Mass. So attending Mass together and teaching the Mass to our children is one of the common threads in families in which children grow up to continue practicing the faith. Another, a third thing I would say is as they get older, they need to go then on age-appropriate retreats where they can bond with other Catholic kids. So as I said, my mother sent me on a month-long, a 30-day retreat in Los Angeles. From I was in Pennsylvania. I wanted to go out west to work on our cousin's ranch. I wanted to become a cowboy when I was 17 after high school. She said, you can do that. My cousins had a ranch in Utah. They were all Mormons. I spent a, a month on the ranch, and I wanted to become a Mormon. They had a great family life. The girls were pretty. They all wanted to you know, get married soon. I was like, well, this is great. But my mother wisely said, you can go to the ranch with your Mormon cousins, but then you have to do a Catholic retreat for for a month after that. And so I did. There were 11 other guys, so 12 of us, all of the more or less the same age from 18 to 17 to 25. We bonded, and I, I learned the faith inside and out during those 30 days. I learned how to pray. I learned the Mass. I learned all the teachings. Something the things I never learned when I was uh, in the catechism program of my local parish. So uh, weekend retreats. Now the, the retreats have to be solid, really Catholic retreats, because I'd gone on a lot of fluffy, non-substantial retreats in my catechism program growing up. But this was the first serious retreat I had been on. You can't underestimate the sealing power. Um, of, a, of a retreat, of an extended period with other people of our children's own age, led by competent retreat directors and teachers. So those are three things. Family rosary, 
uh, mass together on Sundays and then eventually retreats. So let's go back to the second one, uh, mass together. And as you were talking about that, Father, you said uh, that parents need to become specialists in being able to understand and explain the faith. And that can sound a bit daunting right there, uh, that a parent has to be the specialist in the faith. Uh, I, I know for myself, I've put a lot of time and effort in, but there's a lot of learning that I have yet to, to go on the road of you know understanding everything about our faith and even being able to explain and communicate it to our children. And so for those parents out there who are feeling inadequate, not up to this task, where should they start? Well, that's a good point, Josh. And I say the word specialist to catch your attention, of course. I don't mean that parents will become professional theologians or, or catechists because obviously parents have their own careers and professional lives But what I mean is parents have to have that zeal, that thirst for the faith to know, love, and serve God in order to pass it on. We can't give what we don't have. If we want our children to have a personal and uh, deep relationship with Christ, then we need to have that ourselves. And so how do we – right, how do we begin? Where does a a parent begin? Because – the failure of catechesis over the last two or three generations leaves many of us without a without a systematic or comprehensive understanding of the deposit of faith. So how do we learn that? Well, number one, begin with reading the Bible. And, of course, the Bible's a big book. It's actually 72 books. Where do you start? Well, you could just start with the Bible, but you, you could begin with a... a, a year Bible where you, you complete the Bible in a year and it's all parsed out for you. There are um, podcasts and videos of fine scripture scholars that will take one book of the Bible just to get you interested and get you into it. So some, find an in to the Bible so that you begin to make sense of it and understand the entire scope of the Bible. Sure. I, I might make so, another recommendation there, too. One that's helped me a lot is the Ignatius Study Bible, and that's one where it has a lot of explanation of certain things that as you're reading through, uh, almost half the page is just annotated notes there that go through and say, here's kind of background on what you're reading. Here are some thoughts from the church fathers or other theologians throughout the history of the church. So that, that's one that I would recommend, too. It's helped me quite a bit. Right, and that Ignatius Study Bible's and it's Scott Hahn and other collaborators, fine scripture scholars. It's published book by book. Now, they're they're combining them, and uh, there is a one volume, but they also come in separate books. So you, I'd say pick the book of the Bible that you're most curious about. Is it the book of Genesis? Is it maybe the book of Judges, you know, Samson and Delilah? Or is it the one of the Gospels or the book of Revelation? And just take that book and soak yourself in it, work through it, and from there go to the other books of the Bible. So the Bible and then the, the doctrines of the church, the, of course we have the Catechism, which is a very large book, but there's a step-down 
catechism called the Compendium of the Catholic Catechism, which is a question and answer format. The Baltimore Catechism is still a very valuable resource. We're using that in our catechism program, the question and answer format, very simple. And then there's so many resources now, Much, for example, formed.org. Uh, we have that subscription for all of our parishioners, and they, it's a kind of a Catholic Netflix. There's uh, movies and short videos and podcasts and radio dramas and audiobooks and things like that. So it's a lifelong endeavor to teach ourselves the faith. But one last thing I would say is learn the teachings of the church through the Bible and the catechism, but then also learn to pray yourself. Because it's up to the parents to teach our children to pray. We can't depend on catechists or priests to do that. They help, but ultimately you learned how to pray by watching your dad work through the Bible with his finger and his, his, his voice. So weekly holy hour uh, before the Blessed Sacrament with the devotional, perhaps like the Magnificat or other, week, other daily devotionals, daily rosary yourself, um, Sunday Mass, of course, and all the other ways that we pray, our regular confession, and then it will naturally be imparted to your children. But it starts it starts with us, the parents. Right. Our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, and he's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, talking about keeping our kids in the faith, passing on the faith to them, teaching the faith to them. If you're raising kids, what are you doing to help them love their Catholic faith? If your kids are grown, how have you shared the faith with them? Or maybe how did your parents share the faith with you? Our studio line is 888-914-9149, And Father, let's go to Patty. She's listening in Chicago. Hi, Patty. You're on the air here with Father Ilo. Hi, and um, thank you. This is a wonderful topic. It's near and dear to my heart. Um, <clears throat> we'll start with my parents. Um, I'm I'm number seven of eight kids, and um, long story short, I I continued to grow in my faith with, um, they, well, they encouraged me to be in part of the our youth group growing up. So I'm in that generation that was, um, falls into that poorly catechized group as, you know, my peers, my husband. And, um, but I feel very fortunate that I, I was involved with Bible studies in high school. I did attend retreats. Some of them were kind of fluffy, um, got involved with the Curcio movement in uh, college. And, and then when I was off in the air force and, um, and then with my, uh, my husband, he, I, I was public school all the way. And then with my husband, he was parochial school and then went to public school in high school, and, um, but never, never really experienced Christ. Um, and I think that was a big difference. And so now he has a lot of questions about the Catholic Church. But we raised our kids Catholic, um, four wonderful kids. They attended parochial school through eighth grade and then went to um, public high school. Um, they are very active in their faith now as adults. Um, I still have two in college. One is at a Catholic university and the other one is very involved with the Newman Center. Um, but 
in high school, it was really important to me that they experienced Christ, that they did, they attended like the youth leadership conference that had adoration and reconciliation and uh, prayer time and and then be involved with youth activities and just growing in their faith and seeing, like Father said, that there are other Catholics their age um, who are practicing their faith. And I kept telling them, you know, it's cool to be Catholic. It's cool to be Catholic. And just, you know, being having that peer support was is really critical. But experiencing Christ and knowing that he is real and that he can, they can have a relationship with him and then growing from there. That's how I think that has contributed to um, their continuing to practice their faith. And we attended mass every Sunday We're on vacation. It was, I made it a priority that um, um, we go to mass wherever we were. And uh, they saw that and they still do that. That's great, Patty. It's a, really good points you make that fr- you can't underestimate the value of friendships because as the kids get older, of course, they're going to believe what their friends tell them more than what their parents tell them or what the church tells them. So introduce them to good Catholic friends, youth groups and conferences and retreats early on. It makes it, 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 it solidifies it going forward. I've been to eight World Youth Days, and the, the most marvelous thing is to see the wide open eyes when we get into the field and see you know, a million other Catholics their own age practicing the faith from every country on the planet. And the, the, the young people always say, I never knew that there were so many... Mm-hmm. Catholics like us and, and even not like us from other countries, different languages, we're essentially relational beings. We're, ra- we're, we're, we're political animals in the words of the Greeks. And so without that relationship with other people our own age, uh, young people especially so are relational. It's all about relationship for teenagers. It's everything. So you're absolutely right that youth groups and even if it's a bit fluffy at times, the main thing is they're with kids their own age and it's, it's a, it has to be a minimum Catholic uh, identity, but um, it's, so, it's so necessary. Well, and the other thing, Father, that I like that Patty brought up too is making going to Mass on the weekends, even when you're on vacation, when you're traveling, you know, different things like that, making it a priority. And one story I've shared in the past here on the program is where we had been at an all-weekend soccer tournament, and we knew that the best time for us to try and get to Mass was going to be uh, one of the Saturday vigil Mass uh, times that we found close by, a parish we'd never been to before. And everybody, you know, instead of tank tops or T-shirts and shorts out there, okay, bring one nice shirt with you that you can throw on over that tank top or that T-shirt, and we're going to race as soon as that game's over. And, you know, we got there to that parish, and the way it was set up, it was to where we couldn't walk into the church, you know, and we've got a large family. We couldn't walk in there without it just kind of being a disruption. So we just were back in the narthex, uh, kneeling on the ground during the 
consecration, you know, during the different prayers, uh, praying along, but it made it a very memorable occasion for our kids, and it gives us something that we can look back on and talk about, and uh, helps to reinforce, well, yeah, even though we all wanted to be at that soccer tournament and watch brothers and sisters play their games, uh, Mass was an important part of this, too, and we're not going to say, oh, we'll get around to it next week. It, it has to be that, uh, that obligation that we say, if it's important to us as parents, our kids will see that. That's right. Yeah. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and talking about passing on the faith to our kids How are you passing on the faith to your kids? If they're young, what are you doing in your family to help raise them in the faith? If they're out of the house, what are those things that have helped them to carry on the faith into their adult lives? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, email address, innerlife@relevantradio.com. More of this conversation, more of your phone calls right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. He's the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. And today, talking about how we can pass the faith on to our children, and how are you doing that in your own life? If you have young kids, what are you doing if your kids are grown? How did you do that in their young years? Pass the faith on to them. Help them to understand and love the Catholic faith, Christ, the sacraments. Uh, how did your parents teach you about the faith and pass that on, instill that in you? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Ilo, um, you know, as we talk about this, we're talking kind of in general uh, terms about teaching our kids here, you know, certain specific things that we can do as parents. Is there anything specific that the father should be doing or anything specific that the mother should be doing? Any specific roles that they should take on or anything specifically overseen by them in teaching the children about Christ and our beliefs as Catholics? Difference between the sexes, a beautiful complementarity. And I'll say this, not having children of my own, not either a mother or a father of biological children. So it's good, of course, to hear from actual parents the distinction of roles here. But these thoughts occur to me, having seen so many families, and then also being a spiritual father to the people of my own parish, that I think it starts with the mother. The the impartation of the faith starts with the mother because... The children are fragile and the mother is gentle. The mother is nurturing. And so the first faltering steps in establishing a relationship with God are led by the mother. Of course, there's a physical and emotional bond with the child that the father doesn't have in that early stage. 
Then at some point, though, the father should begin to reveal the fatherhood of God to the child by teaching things like uh, sacrifice and um, the kind of masculine ways of approaching life's challenges to both boys and girls. And so then he begins to complement the early teachings of the mother. And I, I wouldn't presume to say what age that would happen. It's different from for every, children, every child. But um, the father has to present that distinctively masculine and fatherly spirituality to the child at some point to complement what the child has received from the mother. And then, of course, I think siblings have a role to play in reaffirming the faith, showing their younger siblings or even older siblings that, as Patty said, the faith is cool. It's cool to be Catholic. It's possible. And it's something that you want to do. It's been good for me as um, a peer, as your sibling, and so it's good for you to do as well. It's a whole family catechesis. All the it's a family affair, really. Right. Well, so what about if we have, uh, you know, there's plenty of single moms and single dads, dads out there who don't have the support of a spouse, or you know, there's tricky situations when there's a divorce and one parent they're trying to raise their kids in the church, but the other parent. They might not bring the kids to church on Sunday, or they might bring them to a different church or some other uh, building of a different faith where they're hearing different teachings that might conflict with our Catholic faith. How should someone handle those sort of situations? Yes, that's a very important point, Josh, because there are so many uh, divorces, um, and I think we have to be clear from the beginning that divorce is not a good thing right. because it is celebrated in the secular culture as an act of my autonomous will. I I make my own life. I make my own day. There's a there's an Instagram billboard just outside of my church on the busy boulevard that shows a young person all decked out, nose rings, and can't tell whether it's a boy or a girl, and it says. I make my own day. <laughs> well, that's the divorce culture. And I think those who have suffered the tragedy of divorce have to be honest with their kids that this is a tragedy. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a very sad thing that your father and I or your mother and I couldn't continue to live together. There's a great book on that called Primal Loss by uh, Lila Miller that just chronicles the the, the fallout from divorce. So for those who are divorced, it's it's a very difficult thing. It's a cross to bear. Um, and so we have to be sensitive to the children who are suffering probably the most from divorce. And maybe these divorces are unavoidable. But how do we continue imparting the love of God through a, a broken marriage like that? Well, first of all, the doctrine of the cross, that we suffer. God allows us to suffer. And one of the ways that you're suffering is the separation of your mother and your father. But all suffering is permitted by God for a greater good. And that's a very hard thing to learn, especially for children. How can a good God have allowed my mother and my father to leave each other, to leave us? Well, it's a mystery. 
And so to teach the doctrine of the cross to children who live in divorced families is essential. They have to grow up a little sooner. They have to learn how to be um, suffering servants more quickly and perhaps more deeply than other children. Right. Yeah. Uh, Father, we've got Susan who's listening in California. And Susan, we've only got about 60 seconds, but wanted to get you on the air here to share your story. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Thank you. Hi, Father Ilo. I remember you from St. Joseph's. Oh, yeah, in Modesto. Yeah, Modesto. Uh, (laughs) um, I was uh, going to tell you, uh, give you a little update on our five daughters. They are all Hmm. Catholic, and uh, three out of the five are married and uh, bringing up Hmm. uh, ten grandchildren for us. (laughs) We have five girls and five boys. And uh, I don't know if you remember Joanna. She went on a, a youth day uh, um, early on. I think it was O2 oh, or something really? like that. Again, anyway, Susan, yes, I just want to uh-huh. jump in here because we're really short on time, but I wanted to let you share your story. Oh, yes. Well, I thought that one of the big uh, contributors to uh, raising those girls Catholic, it was our Catholic homeschooling. Um, I mm. prayed and prayed and prayed about whether we should actually do that homeschooling and um we eventually did and uh, named our, our school Holy Family School, and we said prayers all day. I mean, we started with a prayer. We had the Angelus in the, at, at noon, and uh, we went to Mass every Sunday, even on vacation, even though Tim is not a Catholic, or wasn't then. He is now, though. Anyway, mm. it, was, uh, it was great and so happy that they're all still with us. That's wonderful. Uh, this is Susan Sanders. And actually, Father, we're down to such a uh, little time here. We're not going to be able yeah, to continue sure. the, the phone call there. But, um, you know, just sounds like that uh, couple of common themes there, having that continued morning prayer and making Mass a priority. I mean, those are a couple of things you mentioned, two of the three things you mentioned that are good for parents to do there as they uh, work with their children. Yeah, and I think those who can do homeschooling, uh, it's, it's difficult to do that, but there's a pretty good track record of kids that of homeschooling families that are still practicing the faith. It's just a more hands-on approach. But even if you can't do homeschooling, in some sense you have to homeschool the faith That's because right. the parents are the primary educators of the faith. Maybe not math and science, but of the faith, yes. I'm glad I don't have to teach my kids math and science, Father. <laughs> so, uh, our spiritual director today has been Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest there in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And Father, we've got about 20 seconds here for a final blessing for all of our listeners. May the blessing of Almighty God descend upon all of those who are listening and praying with us today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Ilo, for being our spiritual director. Uh, If you missed any part of the program and you're listening and would like to go back and hear it, of course, the podcast is available at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. I want to encourage you to stay tuned. We've got Father Rocky coming up next with Mass. He'll be the celebrant. And then tomorrow, talking about sacrifice here on The Inner Life. It's going to be a fascinating conversation, and uh, we're actually going to look at one of the readings tomorrow at Mass. Abraham, willing to sacrifice his son. Hope you join us on The Inner Life tomorrow.